Podcast episode one eighty. You know who we are. First host Marcello. Host number two D. <clears throat> and uh, Corey's out again. Uh, filling in for him is Q Harrison Terry, who's uh, he's joining us for this uh, midweek episode. Uh, he's the marketing director at Redox, which is a uh, it's a company providing modern API for healthcare. Futurist, growth hacker, man of many hats. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about, I don't know if it's old news, but on the last episode, I was talking to D about the consumer electronic show that you attended, and I was like, "Man, I thought that was just about big screen TVs and like here's the latest Game Boy." But they had like like sleep number mattresses there, and I'm like, "What's going on at CES nowadays?" And I kind of wanted to, yeah, what's going on with this global stage of innovation? You were there, so I'm just curious. Yeah, so I was at CES, and I was actually a speaker, which was crazy to me because I was an attendee last year and then a speaker this year, so it was kind of mind-blowing. But CES is the largest technology conference in the in the world. Um, they had about a, a little under 200,000 attendees this year. And uh, it's one of those conferences where it can be very overwhelming because they do have everything from sleep number mattresses to big screen TVs to uh, binaural audio, so binaural beats and just digital drugs and that whole demeanor. Um, and it was just, a, it was a great conference overall. Healthcare definitely had a very larger presence this year at the conference. Uh, I would say everyone's kind of looking at healthcare just because, you know, so much of our GDP goes to it. Um, and there's a lot of innovation that can just kind of happen in the space, just given how dated a lot of the, the current practices are. And, and just technology in the space in general. So, so blockchain. Was a, go ahead. Yeah. What's blockchain up? was a big part of CES, I would imagine. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about just blockchain and cryptocurrencies in general. I think blockchain is one of those topics that's not easily understood, so it's not easily conversed. And so that's why you didn't hear a lot of big, uh, big chain or blockchain developments out of CES. So that's kind of how that went. Why do you think that is? I mean, I'm, I'm actually that's actually hitting hitting me kind of hard as, as far as like why it's so hard to understand. I feel like is there anyone in this space going out of their way to make it easy to understand? And I, I think, go ahead. Yeah, I think that blockchain as a technology is hard to understand. Very similar to the same way like the internet, right? Like. If you ask, there's what, I mean, so there's like 2 billion people a month that use Facebook. 
I don't know the actual usage numbers on Google, but let's just go off Facebook. So if you ask anybody that connects to Facebook in a month how the internet actually works, I, I'd, get, I'd probably make a bet that less than 1% of that $2 billion would actually be able to give you a detailed explanation and really tell you uh, what the internet is um, and, how, and how it even formed and you know what what actually what it actually takes to make a, a Google search query um, happen, and that's okay, right? Like everyone doesn't need to be a technical user that really has a deep understanding of the technology. Um, that's if that was the case, then no technology would be really heavily adopted. And I think blockchain is just in that state, right? Where it's one of those, it's one of those technologies where if you really understand the math, you really want to understand the the, the t- the the technical stack and how data is stored and, and what it actually means to have uh, a, a distrib- distributed access via a ledger or smart contracts, um, then I, I think that you you give yourself a lot of power, especially in a time like now where a lot of the technology and a lot of the protocols that we have are essentially being tested and a lot of theories are being tested. And I think it's kind of cool to see stuff like CryptoKitties kind of emerge to even things, whereas, you know, how do you ensure just Bitcoin in general, like from a business standpoint, right? Like, what is Disney accepting Bitcoin look like? And like, what is the, what are the, what are the, like, what are the impacts are not only from a business perspective, but also the ramifications to just like, you know, the network, like if you have such a large entity uh, on it. And so those are, those are some of the questions that like my mind ponders and I, and I think that the average user just, they don't really care about that stuff. Like, we're the nerds. We're the pioneers of this stuff. I mean, how many people uh, back in the day uh, when the internet was just, you know, a couple nodes from uh, from DARPA that was, like, used for educational facilities, for universities to connect to universities, right? Like, no one, no one really back then talked about the internet in the capacity that we do today they just saw it as a tool to basically send quicker fax messages yeah the thing that's kind of scary though it's awesome and scary i was just talking about this in our slack right before the show is that it feels like at the stage if you i like everyone likes to use the the internet analogy but i'm gonna take it further back and i'm gonna go to like let's just talk about wheels right there's okay. the caveman who who had like four boulders and he finally figured out like, oh, if I put something flat on top, I can roll it on top of these boulders. This is great. And then it wasn't in, probably until, I don't know, many, many years later where they made it into like a disc and they made it look more like a wheel and it could roll easier and everything else. But it feels like we're dealing with the boulders, but then like painting a pretty picture of the wheels and then selling it as the wheels. Like the discs, yeah. and the, that's yeah. that's what it feels like right now. It's like everybody doesn't know. Like, hey man, we're just rolling around on boulders. Like, this thing could collapse to the left or collapse to the right, and all of a sudden, all the sticks you were trying to move around fall on your little one. I don't know. I'm taking the analogy to the I mean, extreme, I, but I guess I could I could definitely get behind that analogy. I could see that. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, because just coming from the the North American Bitcoin conference. Like some of these projects are, are the promises are so outlandish, and I'm like, you can't. The technology can't do that. It it just that, can't. That's the, 
Isn't it the irony, though? Like, we're on the Bitcoin podcast right now talking about how certain Bitcoin projects and blockchain projects can be outlandish. Like, we're supposed to be the dreamers, right? We're the people that, like, those people come to and, and validate their ideas, and we're supposed to be believing in them. But when we even are saying it's outlandish, that's what's scary to me, right? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a, that's a strong point. Uh, Adi, I, I want to preface this by giving you some perspective. I think the last time I interviewed Q Harrison, he had crypto. And now I'm I'm reading that you no longer own Bitcoin. And I don't oh, know wow. if that was if it was that from a from a Charlie Lee um where you you didn't want to influence anybody when you write or talk uh to like influence your perspective or maybe uh the risk is a zero sum game and you just want to know part of it um what happened? so i mean it's really integrity for me right i i hadn't written about crypto i think since like 2016 and so i decided to do an article on just bitcoin and blockchain really a little less about blockchain but more about bitcoin uh just about last last week so like two weeks before that i i basically exited out of all my positions in the in the cryptocurrency space and there was a there's a there's a magnitude of reasons for that one of them being the the integrity piece but the the second thing that i kind of um was really wary of was dude what's up with all the bitcoin and blockchain scammers and I guess less blockchain scammers, but there's a lot of crypto scammers right now. There's a lot of crypto fraud, right? Like they were Great, people, man. Uh, I mean, James Ultra, great dude. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know. I haven't part, partaked in this online course, but he's buying a ton of Google ads and literally any site you go on that has the relevant Bitcoin. Uh, ad, or like any, they talk about Bitcoin in any keywords, right? You'll see his ad like five minutes later. And I mean, James Ultra, again, one of those great dudes. He's got a lot of amazing books and content out there. Not sure if his uh, cryptocurrency program was is, is nice, but I, it feels kind of it feels kind of sketchy to me. Right. And then there's a plethora of people as you start to go down the list. He's just one of the more, I would say, well done examples. But you just have these you just have all these people that are saying they're cryptocurrency experts. Uh, give me fifty dollars, I'll give you some Bitcoin. It's just like, come on, y'all. Like, yeah, this is not like you know how I think uh, Seth Godin he has this this term where he says marketers ruin everything. This is a prime example of marketers getting in this space where they don't really understand how it works, and so they're taking advantage of the apathy on the the consumer side, and they're marketing like this whole dream of let's get rich quick and i think that that's really going to have an impact on the market and we're already starting to see that but when you've got kids on twitter talking about how they they turn ten dollars into a million dollars via bitcoin when me and you all know that that same kid was not in bitcoin in 09 uh it just gets a little it just gets a little sketchy yeah there's a lot of sketchy sketch going on that's sketchy sketch, sketch. Holla at me. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag so, sketchy sketch. That should be our new. new I like, but you you cashed out when when you were in the green show. though, right? Yeah, of course, man. I I mean, I you got to remember, like I was one of the early co-founders of Twenty Three Vivi, and that was the world's first uh, online digital art marketplace powered by the the blockchain. So we sold digital art 
but we included the certificates of all, um, of authenticity and then the, the just the overall provenance. We used the uh, original Bitcoin blockchain to kind of do that. And so I, I got in in like in late 2013, early 2014. That's good. Yeah. Oh, gee. We need like a we need like a soundboard cello. So whenever we're talking to an OG, we hit the button. We can get real Howard Sterny with this shit sometimes. Hell yeah! I mean, you need a you need a uh, scammy scammer segment now on the show. Sketchy, sketchy sketch. Sketchy, sketchy sketch. sketch. Yeah, sketchy sketch. My bad. I'm already forgetting it. I'm messing it up. I'm uh, yeah, exactly. The sauce. I always ask people like what their definition of wealth is, and it's always I always get a different answer because there's just so much greed and. Um, you know, you, you talked about like we're waiting for like Disney to take Bitcoin and now it's just kind of this storage of value and it's like you know, I don't think people care about, you know, getting a five dollar foot long from Subway with Bitcoin. They just care about getting rich now. And um yeah. it's just a different landscape. Well, the way I look at that is I think that that's kind of I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, right? Like Bitcoin is not really a wealth, it's not, I mean, people use it as digital gold, but I don't see it as that type of mechanism. And then thing you have to look at like how currency works. And it's kind of hard to make this point because you look at the US dollar and even before we get that, like, I mean, we go way, way, way back, you know, currency used to be stored in iron rods and iron rods were literally how um, people would store their currency. The biggest fallacy with that was they were heavy and hard to, uh, traverse so you know it's really hard to get an iron rod from one place to another and so it worked really well as like a currency mechanism and, and, and keeping wealth away from certain people but it didn't work out so well when it came to like actually spending and trading so then we moved on to kind of you know the the silver coins the gold coins all that good stuff just smaller metals and that worked really well you know you could now trade and you had like this coin format and uh, eventually we moved to like gold being a standard and then we moved to like the dollar being backed by the gold uh, and then we just now have the dollar behind it, right? So like now you just have a, a dollar which is, is backed by faith. And yeah, literally. It's kind of like, yeah, literally it's backed by faith and, and Bitcoin's in a similar bucket where it's like, you have one side of the market that doesn't really even understand the technology, which is this is what this is what like really pisses me off. Right. You have people that are trading Bitcoin uh, on the premise that they'll get rich, but also on the premise of not even understanding the underlying technology or the reason why it exists. But solely as if like this is a new currency that's being emerging and we want to be in on the ground floor. Let me put five thousand in. And then what they do is they buy this Bitcoin. Um, a lot of them don't understand the difference between hot and cold storage. A lot of them uh, don't understand really what they're getting into. So you also start to see the, the, the currency start to dissolve at a, at a quicker rate because there isn't a lot of liquidity events happening, right? Going back to Cello's point where, you know, if I have this much Bitcoin, why can't I buy a $5 foot long at, at Subway. Um, and people aren't thinking about that, but like realistically, that's how currency actually, you know, that's how, that's how currency stays currency is if it's fluid, right? You want liquidity events. So that way you can actually 
have people you can have money going back and forth or, or coins in this case bitcoins in this case going back and forth on the network creating more transactions but also um allowing for uh more more developers to write on the blockchain right again get their applications uh data out there because that's where the security principles come from and that's where uh just the overall ecosystem in itself becomes much stronger and, and much more solid which in in theory would also make your your money go up right like your your bitcoins would be worth even more but i know there's multiple ways to look at it uh, a lot of different perspectives but there's also a lot of people in the space where it's like hey if i can make a 560 percent return on my investment i don't care how it works i'm just gonna get in and out and, and that's what we yeah. have. <laughs> that's that's the thing that scares me. And that's the thing that, for whatever random reason, I, be, I keep getting added to Facebook crypto groups. I got to change Dude. my privacy settings. I'm in, like yeah. I'm in like seven <laughs> of those joints. And like, it's gotten to the point where I just turned off messenger notifications. Because I'm like, like what? Like, and then, you know what really pissed me off too? Is um, because I, was, I started at 23 Vivian. It was like 2015. So I was talking, like a lot of my friends knew I was talking about Bitcoin and blockchain since then. And it was not cool back then. You guys had the the Bitcoin podcast. You already know. This stuff was like small. Uh, I mean, what was, uh, what was the, uh, you got the BTC podcast. There was another uh, media let's outlet. Talk that was Bitcoin. Cointelegraph. Cointelegraph. Yeah, let's talk yeah. Bitcoin. Cointelegraph. You guys remember Cointelegraph was like a blog. It was like a blog. And, like, it used to have, like, maybe, what, 9,000 readers a week? Now it's, like, millions of readers a week. <laughs> but Coin Telegraph was just a blog back in the day. Uh, but, like, when we were when, – when, so we saw this stuff kind of come up, which is, which is crazy because we really saw an industry rise in the past, like, three, four years. But because of that, we were so early associated with it, all of my friends, at least, wanted to pull me in once they started to make investments in – uh, XRP and Dash and Bitcoin and Ethereum and all that stuff, and I was, it kind of, it kind of rubbed off on me the wrong way because it was kind of like, dude, like, I, I, I already kind of told you how I stand on this. I'm not trying to argue with you on crypto, and quite frankly, like, I, like, do you want, like, you realize you're just buying iPhones, technically, like, you're, you're, you're buying technology like that's what you're doing you're not buying a currency this is technology and you have to you have to look at it as technology and not a currency and i think that that's the that's the fallacy that is wrong today is you have everyone looking at it as like this is the the means to replace uh a global this is like the means to replace currency as we know it and create a global currency which in some cases and facets could be you know i could i can see that viewpoint but the technology is so young, and we're just at such an early stage. I don't know yeah. if this is necessarily V1. Like, I mean, and we always use the internet as a comparable. Uh, uh, remember, like, we're on IPv6, right? So, inter- mm-hmm. internet, um, yeah, the the internet protocol version six. Uh, it, it took it took us six tries to get to the protocol at which we all now can use the internet on. Yeah, and the internet's been around a while, and I know one thing though. I'm gonna start dancing with the devil. The next little DM I get where somebody's like, "Hey man, what's the big big ICO? I can make triple digit returns." I'm gonna be like, "You better give me five thousand USD before I even type a single letter." I'm gonna straight straight dance with the devil. (laughs) I'm with that. You know, I, I I'm. 
I'm usually on the side of, you know, just being being a person of integrity, but I'm not even going to lie. There's been a couple times where cats have been like, yo, but what should I do? And I'm like, man, I should get some of these thousands you dropping. But I've been on the I've been on the upper side, you know. Yeah. The thing is, is I mean, we, we've been here since the test of time. And the only way we're going to stay here is if we if we if we keep it real, keep it 100. It's not about, uh, yeah. you know, a quick gain today when we could have long term wins. Here's here's how I view it. It, it. Like, I've been using PayPal long before Bitcoin, and even today, it's like every time I pay for something with PayPal, like I'm I'm interrupted with this window insisting that I should pay for this item on credit instead of using my balance. And every time yep. I close this window, PayPal knows it, and yet they continue to interrupt everyone, uh, millions mm-hmm. of people a day, you know, and it breaks not only their user experience. But it puts the idea that more people should go into credit card debt. And it's and the idea of putting more people in the credit card debt, it's financially seductive. And uh, my man D over here just he finally paid off his student loans with crypto. And Congrats. there's still millions and millions and millions of people that are just overwhelmed with student debt that they can't pay. And look, you know, I have a mortgage. If my mortgage is overdue, uh, is it better to kick me out of my house or is it better to watch my neighborhood descend into poverty you know it's like for me the the key tenet of our culture is you must pay your debts debt 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 and i feel like bitcoin is making investing sexy again younger people are learning how to save more money uh i mean there's a lot of greed in the space but uh harrison talked about the changing wealth of nations or why countries still own gold and i just think people have to realize that so they get a better understanding uh to accept think, the future of Bitcoin. Yeah. I think you're right, man. Yeah. I think if anything, that's kind of a silver lining to all this is that it's created, whether it's true or not, it's created this new economy and this new ICOs now are like penny stocks of the future. That's all they are, really. But, I mean, true. you know, there's bona fide. All, Go ahead. Are you all going to start your own ICO? <laughs> no, we've thought about it mm-hmm. several you times. About it. Okay. We've Only if you get in on the white let whitelist pre sell pre sell, then yeah. we might consider it. But I've seen some of yeah. the white papers associated with these ICOs and Yeah, I'm not gonna call any names out, but a lot of this stuff is interesting. Oh, D will oh, call the fucking call them names. out. D. Call them out. <laughs> uh, I, not, I, I feel like is it is it wrong for us to do that? No, it's it's why we have this show. I called right, out Tronix right. three, four weeks ago. And I will cons- right. I will call them out every minute of every day until their right. white paper isn't a so, bag of garbage. So I want to know. <laughs> so you have have you all seen the the uh, there was you guys know the company that made Sophia the AI robot? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know they came out with a coin called AGI. Really. What yeah. is it? I, I would, do. Well, you know, AGI stands for artificial general intelligence. So we just we just let's just go down the marketing funnel now, right? Where it's like, all right, we're gonna name our token AGI. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're going to promise it's gonna do all these things in the artificial intelligence world, and like we're gonna release the white paper saying how we're gonna do that. And it's just been I'll try to see like this. I respect their marketing thing. So, yeah, what's up? I don't. What's their token supposed to do? Like make robots talk to each other, or? Uh, dude, man, the I, 
no one really I, I read it and I honestly could not tell you uh, what exactly they're I mean it's the singularity net that's the company right and they want to create a decentralized marketplace for AI algorithms that was like the premise and they sold their token on December 22nd and they made like a lot of money in mere seconds it was like I don't remember the exact amount but like it was it was they made millions in, in like 60 seconds it was crazy um yeah i i, I mean rec- i would recommend people check it out and they can kind of do their their own research right but it's uh it's a decentralized open market and internet work for ais so in some cases what you said is kind of true make robots talk to each other but i that's that's what they market i didn't really get much from reading their white paper though sold out in like a yeah, minute though Ether can hey, already so, do that. I, it, bro, I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I agree with you. <laughs> this is what I... I'm going to start bucketing all these white papers because it's impossible to read thousands. And whenever I see a white paper that starts with an executive summary instead of an abstract, I'm putting it in the garbage. <laughs> I'm putting it straight in the garbage. And I'm going to email the, the contact names at the top of it and say, why, why are you doing an executive summary this is a white paper. Like, Facts. what's the abstract? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Not what are you well, trying to sell to some C-suites? Well, they uh, they actually did do an abstract before. Uh, it was kind of funny because their, their white paper came out like December <laughs> 19. And I think uh, it was like 53 pages long. And geez. the actual, uh, I know, right? The actual token sale happened on like December 22nd. So you could kind of tell they were just kind of riding the coattails of hype. <laughs> Nice. Well, they yeah, would have snuck but... through my filter if they had an abstract at the top. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> They've been listening to the podcast thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were supposed to talk about healthcare. We never even dabbled into it. We've been, we've been going nah, on. Nah. So here, 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 the original idea was Harrison was going to join us on the healthcare, but uh, I, think I, I think I goofed on that. Yeah, so this was kind of... Um, uh, just his own thing, man. I didn't want to lump him in with with like other topics, but I know he wanted to talk about uh, insurance and all that. And I, I thought that was interesting because the FDIC does not insure money invested in stocks. And I I thought that uh, Bitcoin, well, well, FDIC thinks that Bitcoin is a stock. So uh, that's a that's a problem in itself. Bitcoin's not really a stock. Like I mean, Bitcoin's we know not that. a company. Yeah, I mean, we know that. Yeah, we know that, but. So there's all these perspectives and perceptions of what Bitcoin actually is. And again, I think the easiest way to talk about it is it's just the technology, right? Like you can compare that to any technology you would buy and acquire. It's going to get upgraded. And I I would say a fork is the equivalent of a a technology upgrade, right? Where you're just changing the internals or changing the schematics on how things work. And I think businesses aren't going to accept Bitcoin until they can confidently protect themselves against fraud. And that kind of comes down to two factors. One, how do we know you are who you say you are and on a network that was designed to basically be uh, anonymous? And then two, what's the point of sale mechanism at which we can exchange Bitcoin? Very similar to like Samsung Pay or Apple Pay or even the like uh, chips on the, the credit cards and debit cards we have nowadays. Like, that point of sale needs to be uh, seamless. 
and we, we're not at that point yet. That's well, true. Well, Jamie Diamond regrets calling Bitcoin a fraud, and he's in the banking industry. So what did he find out that the rest of the FDIC needs to find out? I think he... I mean, it feels like he just bit the bullet hard. I mean, you know, he said that a day after Warren Buffett kind of made his allegations on, like, you know, everyone's going to fail in this market. And that's the Oracle of Omaha. When he says something, you know, there's a lot of people that have challenged Warren Buffett over the past past decades. And, you know, Buffett has remained a champion. And in and, and doing so, he's been one of the, the more, wealthy, more, more wealthier people in the world. So I think that was... Part, I think part of that was, you know, uh, him him getting back in the news and the hype cycle on uh, Warren, on Warren Buffett's end. And then second, I mean, he kind of made an allegation without really understanding the stuff. So I think he might have done a bit more research and said, oh, OK, you know, technology like Bitcoin and blockchain kind of need to exist. Uh, is this the technology the financial industry is going to adopt? Maybe not. Will they adopt a, a version of this? There's a high likelihood and chance in them doing so. And I mean, so if we're going to learn anything from the scammers, there's no reason why banks can't do what these scammers are doing. There's no reason. And there's, it's not, and again, yeah. there's no regulation in this stuff yet either. So, I mean, again, and, and I honestly, I would get behind a, a bank that starts to be like, yo, give us, your, I mean, Coinbase is kind of doing it, but they're, they're more like buy and sell Bitcoin, right? Not but not buy, sell, and mm-hmm. and use, right? It's just more so like a, a holding a holding mechanism. But if there was a bank that was like, look, we'll hold your coin for you, and we'll allow you to like kind of be a part of this network where you can take your kids to Disney World, that's where we're gonna start to see liquidity events and on the major scale. Because like you said, you have all these C-suite people that bought Bitcoin at five hundred bucks. You know, two, three years ago, so I'm, and I'm talking about the Gary V's of the world here now, right? So you got yeah. a bunch of Gary Vaynerchuks that you know can afford a twenty-five thousand uh, dollar Bitcoin vacation, so so to say. And like Gary V doesn't that doesn't have to come out of his bank account. He can take his whole family to Disney and you know make as much content as he pleases. And I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of transactions that could happen on that spectrum. And I think that this also gets interesting once you start to see like a uh, an organization like uh, Disney start to have a massive uh, ownership of like a, a cryptocurrency. And I, I'd just be curious what they would do with it, how they would uh, how they would create liquidity events. We have kind of like Overstock.com that they they've taken their position on just owning crypto and being kind of one of the the few companies that have kind of a public identity uh, and like they've taken a, they, their positioning is like kind of the lay of the land for that other public companies and just companies in general are following um, most notably Kodak, which is what made Warren Buffett make his allegations, right? I was at CES and Kodak comes out with their whole allegation of creating the Kodak coin and just, just the, everything that, that blossoms from that. And, I'm not even going to discount Kodak out of this because I think if we're really going to call this like, you know, uh, uh, the an internet time and really uh, like, or we're, we're going to compare it to the internet times. I think what's super interesting here is how many people in 1998 would have said amazon.com 
is going to be the billion dollar company, the multi-billion dollar company, the trillion dollar company. And quite frankly, I don't think nobody would have. It's we're a company that sold books online. They didn't even really have distribution. They would go to Borders and Barnes and Nobles, buy the book off the shelf, ship it in the mail, take a loss, and they were getting customer data back then. That is that's absurd, right? Like no one would have really picked Amazon. And I'm sure there's one person out there that might be a James Ultra out there who's like, Amazon's going to be a billion dollar company, more power to him. But there's uh, not many people today that can say, you know, Kodak coin's going to fail um, based on these reasons. And a lot of the reasons I hear is just people hating on like what Kodak has done or uh, their current position in the market. And it's kind of like, look, we all thought Boo.com was going to be the Amazon of today. And clearly, you know, that $180 million that the investors put in back then, they saw that burn up in six months. And that never that never equated to anything. Boo.com was one of the, the more greater uh, .com uh, bubble era or eras. Um, yeah. Biggest, biggest fallacies, right? So we're at this point now where I think it's really got to come down to how are these bigger companies that can really drive the needle on liquidity um, going to take a position on crypto and what what will they do to basically ensure the crypto because what's crazy to me is coinbase one of the more larger players for the everyday bitcoin owner i'm not going to talk about us because i know we all got our different wallets and we get a little bit technical with it but coinbase is you know that's the platform that um, you got these teens buying Bitcoin on, these millennials buying Bitcoin on, and uh, even grandmas nowadays trying to get in on the Bitcoin wave and Ethereum and Litecoin. And they're storing it on, on Coinbase, but Coinbase, your money's not insured there. I mean, they, they take, what, 98% of their crypto offline, and then they store that on in various, like, basically lockboxes. Uh, they have a third-party insurer. Um... They but they only insure two percent of all the crypto that they own. Just two percent. Mm, that must be yeah, just, fine, 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 fine print. I, yeah, man. I I, I read I, that documentation like a mofo. I thought they had it insured, but then come to think of it, how could you possibly insure that much money? Yeah, like, that, and, and that's where it gets. Yeah, that's where. That's why I think like if we solve if we solve the insurance part, I think that maybe we'd realize a lot of the benefits a bit quicker because you take away this uh, this mystique that's associated with the crypto right now from a business owner standpoint, right? Like there's a lot of businesses I'm sure are just going to wait and see if crypto actually uh, remains a thing until they really formally accept it. Whereas like more, a lot of these emerging, uh, not even emerging, but a lot of these verge culture uh, platforms and, and 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 let me see and things that are more so on the cutting edge like you know the the, the pornographic industry uh, the marijuana industry um, I would say a lot of these digital uh, exchange platforms where you're, you're you're buying and exchanging digital goods they are the first to accept Bitcoin because and other cryptocurrencies because that makes a lot of sense for their industry right like they don't care yeah. about the um the the buyer being anonymous they they already have a hard time storing and 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 allocating profit right um that's what we hear all the time in in various uh online publications you know 
this uh, Colorado business. They don't have a bank because they sell weed paraphernalia. Well, well, how do how else could they store their money? They could transfer their cash into, into crypto or percentage yeah. of it, right? And now, like you know, crypto really doesn't have this. Uh, you can't own my, you can't own this because you're uh, in this business right right now associated with it. So, uh, I know I'm kind of going off on this wave, but that that's that's that. <laughs> yeah, it it it's just the space right now is is interesting because it looks like we're hitting that first curve of of mass adoption, and there's not like like I say like. Uh, there's there's layers to the people that adopt it. Like there's gonna be people that are in it that are just for the gain. You know, like I get on little Facebooks and they're like, "Which thousand percent, bro? You should have invested with me." And I'm like, "That's not investing. You should read Warren Buffett's book. That's yeah, that's just speculation." But then there's people that get involved and they, and they make a little bit of money, but then they get burned. But after they get burned, it kind of forces them to learn the tech and mm-hmm. learn what's going on behind the scenes and now, know what their money knows. Go ahead. I was going to ask you all. I was doing a lot of research on this, and I couldn't come to an answer that I wanted to believe in. But are you for sure? How or like? What's your estimate of how many uh, active cryptocurrency owners are out there worldwide? When I was doing research... I saw numbers as little as 3 million, but as high as 15 million. And I guess I don't really have a good, like that, those numbers seem very low to me based on the hype that's being uh, put out there and projected in the world. You know, honestly, we don't have a number. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't even know how to start. I mean, I'd start by looking like unique addresses, but that doesn't help. Nope. Um, you can't like, and I don't like the whole reference of just use Coinbase because I could have a Coinbase account and never bought it. Yep. Um, that's the thing, and that's the thing that's honestly kind of scary is like BitPay used to release their usage data, and they stopped doing that two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, nobody brings them up anymore. Yeah. So what's what's going on over at BitPay, which is supposedly the point of sale service for if you want to take Bitcoin? There's a reason why they stopped releasing that data public because they're probably like, damn, <clears throat> these businesses aren't even taking Bitcoin anymore. Nobody's wanting to spend it. So yeah, no, it, they were super tight with the U.S. government too. Yeah. I'm. I, I what's up? I mean, either way, even if you go from three million to fifteen million, that's still that's still tiny. That's yeah, it's super tiny, right? I mean, there's. Uh... Was it three three hundred thirty million uh, people that live in the U.S. Seven billion people in the world. Yep, that's a uh, yeah. We got a uh, we got some. If we only have fifteen million people in this uh, uh, right now, we're creating a lot of hype <laughs> for yeah. a currency that's only exchanged between fifteen million owners. These are we should call this show. Uh... A dosage of reality, Cello, because that's all we've, that's all that's been the theme of this entire show, is us keeping it, keeping it 100. I'm not a, yeah, let's keep it 100. I'm not a skeptic. I do believe in the technology. I just don't agree with the hype. And I also think we should pay attention to a lot of the people that founded the currency, like the founder of, uh, uh, of, uh, Litecoin and other coins. They're now, they don't have any position in any of these coins anymore. They've sold off all of their stakes. 
And if that's not the writing on the walls to a lot of people, I don't know what else is. That's like Steve Jobs running Apple and saying, you know, I don't own any Apple shares. When did that ever become a thing? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But at the end of the day, though, that still makes Beacon the glimmer. That the yeah, so that sorry, not beacon, that. that still makes Bitcoin the glimmer because there aren't any founders to point to. Well, like, yeah, I, know, I think Bitcoin also is the interesting currency too because everyone likes to um, excuse my language shit on Bitcoin, but by doing so, they also forget that Bitcoin's the one cryptocurrency that you can use to get any other cryptocurrency. And then when you want to buy a cryptocurrency, um, usually you have to have Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash to do so. Yep. And think about when I talk about liquidity events, those are liquidity events. Those are kind of organic liquidity events on the Bitcoin network, right? Is <clears throat> like the, those smaller currencies actually help the usage of Bitcoin traditional um, or Bitcoin canon, as I like to call it. Um, so that's that's kind of that's. I mean, it, it's a it's a theory. Um, I think Ethereum is another coin that has a lot of organic uh, liquidity of, uh, events built into yeah. it, and you kind of see that in there too. There's markets like, like, for Litecoin. Hell yeah, Litecoin's definitely like Litecoin's. I wouldn't even say it's getting there. I think it, it's been there since Coinbase started accepting yeah, it, right? It's a, because it's a major now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So uh, I I think that like what you said is true. What I don't think Vitalik sold all of his ether. I think he's giving it away to a lot like help with development and stuff like that i think charlie lee selling all of his litecoin was no one will ever know Um, why he did that i know cello you think it was selfish of him i think it was selfless i think it was like hey you know just like it's bad for business man i mean yes or no it depends to the core litecoin developers and supporters i think it's good and i think any business has they have their core demographic right they have the core people their base that they're trying to appeal to and the base and the core of litecoin is the devs and the people that have been the core speculators from i don't know 2010 when litecoin started up so with him doing that and saying hey i'm tired of being such an influencer considering i have such a huge percentage of litecoin um then i bet you the core of that community was like hey man Look at you being, being altruistic. Why don't you go I think it, live in your pastures? Go ahead. Yeah, it's very Dave Chappelle-ish. Like, hey, you know, I'm tired of being so great at what I do. Now I'm going to turn into a chicken avatar and do a stupid cartoon <laughs> podcast. It doesn't make any sense, man. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like it, if you work at Redox and the, and the founder sells all of his shares – that's everyone. That's a red flag. You'd be like, "Oh shit, something's about, yeah. about to be out of a job. What's going on?" Or, or you know, we're we're, we're going to think that the board's replacing the founder, right? Like, yep. you know, yeah, that's how that. That's the perception. But so, I say we got to be careful though, because that's trying to bucket these technologies as if they're businesses. And that's, I think that's, that's that, that that's but trying. That's to why. That's put why a you square peg Jobs. into. Go ahead. That's why I use the Steve Jobs analogy, right? Is Steve Jobs. He, I think he's the he's the perfect example. Steve Jobs, I think, took like a dollar salary. You guys can fact check me on that. Um, but he got paid in Apple stock, and in doing so, it incentivized him to make Apple a better company. And, and guess what? Like the the way you made Apple a better company was by making better technology. 
um, in, in better is subjective here. Um, I know there's a lot of people, especially in this com- community, let's say uh, Apple is a lot of hype. It's not really all that great. Um, I can see that perspective, but also I can see the perspective of like as a technology, it works for the everyday user. And it's a great mechanism for um, families and communities to just exchange and communicate um, information. So Steve Jobs made technology, sold technology. I think if you're a Bitcoin founder, I mean, if you're not a Bitcoin founder, we don't know who those people are. But if you're a cryptocurrency founder, I think that's kind of your position as well, right? It may not be a company in the, the proverbial sense, but it certainly is a, a company from the aspect of you need users, you need uh, buy, you need buyers of your tokens, you need people to exchange these things. Like, you have to kind of rally a pipe and, and you have to explain to the world why your token is the token that should be being that that is better than bitcoin or better than ethereum or better than litecoin and, and better than everybody else and i think uh xrp is doing a really great job of that i i'm not sure the founders names on that on that end but if you look at like from a hype perspective and what they're doing ripple and all that good stuff dude that's just that's again that's it's marketing yeah once everyone finds out they own 90 percent of the ripple they really try to keep that on the hush, don't they? They really, yeah, really try to keep that on the hush. They try, they try to keep it on the hush, but in the in the grand scheme of things, like yeah, the ten percent of the market that's driving the ninety percent up, I really it should be. They should really. I mean, if we're going off the principles, right? They should be following the Pareto principles. Pareto they might be, yeah, yeah. Where it's like you know, twenty percent of their market drives eighty percent of the founders' well. Jeez, I don't remember. I don't remember the guy's name. So I, you guys can correct me there, but. That that's in the story that, yeah, or not not Pareto, but the uh, who who founded XRP? Oh uh, man, he's in our inbox actually. I think four guys. They're coming on he, soon because we had a request from a listener that said, oh, "Please, okay. guys, have an open mind towards Ripple because we we constantly <laughs> shit on Ripple, like almost every chance we get." And he like gave what? us all this literature, and I read it, and I was like, "All right, we'll give him a shot." Um, all right, so so why do you guys? Hey, this is a good question because Ripple, I think, is the one crypto that I've seen uh, really convert the everyday person into cryptocurrencies in a, in a way that I would have never expected. That's because uh, for... it was worth... That's because it was worth four pennies not too long ago. It was worth four pennies at the beginning of the last summer. And everyone saw that, and they bought a bunch of it, and now you've got this this, this cycle, the hype cycle in, in cryptocurrencies is that everybody's trying to get it, hit a penny stock big. They just so have to have been around for a really, really long time, so they could play that card. And, yeah, I guess uh, I would... it's it's. I think for what I know of the background of Ripple, the tech isn't blockchain, but there's one guy, one of those four guys. Um, he has been he was building digital currencies for a long time, like since the late '80s, and then another one of the guys was uh, a Mt. Gox founder. Uh, but a good Mt. Gox founder. That's the way they market that. Yeah. And then, uh, the, from what I understand, how the technology works, you got five people. Let's just call them A, B, C, D, E, A through A through E. If A trusts B, who trusts C, who trusts D, who trusts E, you know, it doesn't matter who's doing the transaction within those five. There's still that little circle of trust. So A can do a transaction with E or C, or D, because there's one connection of trust between them. Got so, it. You know, that scales out pretty fast. 
and I um, think go ahead. for many people like investing in just cryptocurrencies in general, I think this is going to be the largest financial risk they might take in their lives. Right. And I'm, I'm going to try to jump out there and say that, but like you said, there's like, or I think it was cello who said it earlier, you know, a lot of millennials grew up during the 2008 financial crash. So we saw that and like, we stayed away from the, the stock market because it's got this eerie perception to it where it's like, shit, that made my life a lot harder than it should have. Uh, my parents had to go in emergency cash mode, right? So we all kind of grew up in that that era and we see cryptocurrencies, we take this large financial risk and then we've got um, the everyday person where they've got CNBC and Good Morning America hyping up the opportunity in their ear for the past year and a half now. And I think it's important to remember just overall where there's risk, usually there's reward. Unfortunately, that reward might not always be for the risk taker to receive. And I think that that's something that we haven't processed and, and explained enough um, because I think everybody enters these these cryptos and, and enters this market and they're disappointed when when the things when the things fall and it's like, hold on, this is what a market is, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gotta say we we've been in Miami the last three days talking with Doctor Lambo Yacht, and it's really refreshing to hear like stuff like this. Because Doctor, I have a Lamborghini yacht. It's I'm yeah, it was, it, it's, wow. it was pretty retarded out there. So you know, I think people need to hear this. It's good stuff. Yeah. I like right, that. Yeah. That's something that I've never heard a twist on that saying before, and I've always used it in such a blanket mode. You know, no risk, no reward. I've used it from everything. To video gaming to investing and now i find it like what you just said it's not you don't always get the reward <laughs> so. yeah i mean but but like any opportunity in life right you gotta yeah. risk it if you want to get the if you want to get it you want to get the win you gotta put some risk up right but you also need to realize when the win is in your hands like when you have a winning position otherwise kind of greed will turn that desire for uh the win into like i want to do it again um, and then you want to win three times and then four times. And then, and then, you now you want to be a world champion and you don't know anything about the technology. Right. And so <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're taking a zero sum game. Like you're going to lose. And, and there's, and, and the funny thing is you were the winner and now you're the loser and you lose everything. So it's, it's just one of those things where I think people need to hear that in order for them to be like, Oh, I bought XRP at four cents. She it's at, two dollars let me sell that today <laughs> yeah <laughs> like take you're your, winning take, take your wins when you got it but remember adoption is the only thing that matter bitcoin's gonna take over no i'm kidding yeah i actually actually i believe more in ethereum i think ethereum's got and i i, I, I think they're gonna play it. off each other real well and I think once some genius unlocks those atomic swaps, it's just going to be slowly Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin taking over the planet. That's really? You, you're going to include Litecoin in there? Yeah, just 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 because all the development that takes place on Bitcoin also takes place on Litecoin, and Litecoin's faster. So you get you're going to have decentralized apps on Ether. You're going to have light apps on so, Litecoin, and they're all going to so be see, able to communicate. So so you see Litecoin more as like a like a, a true Bitcoin cash? Yes. I think Bitcoin cash is Roger Ver's pride statue that he likes to put his pride statue all over the world right now. When what's really, really funny is if you slide over there and ask him one simple question, 
hey, Bitcoin Cash, you're doing 100 transactions per second. I mean, let's see you do as many transactions as Bitcoin can do and see you not get bogged down and your fees shoot up too because he didn't <laughs> change the fee structure. He just made the blocks hey, bigger. So hey, we, 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 I, 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 we're not even going to get into that. We already know. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's so stupid. And like, so one of my personal battles now is every other day I slide onto Roger Ver's Twitter and just say something that makes what he tweeted sound really dumb. And I've been doing that for a while. I've gained quite a few followers because of it. So thank you, Twitter. But, um, yeah, we've been trying to get Roger Ver on. I'm pretty sure that's why he's not coming back on cello. I apologize. But I just get yeah, tired thanks. of saying dumb shit on the internet. But yeah, like you said, I think Litecoin will be that that cash variant. And if anything, like whenever I start to get like shaky, I guess because everybody gets shaky if they're invested in something this risky. I distill it down to the simple analogies: Bitcoin's gold, Litecoin silver, Ether's oil, and yeah. you can kind of get a pretty good general sense of the direction things will go if you keep those three analogies at the forefront i could be there's wrong inter- but that's the way i like it so there's an internet artist he makes comics kind of like the far side you guys remember the far side comics? i do yeah so his name's pen right and he did a bitcoin comic i included it in my uh my article on bitcoin ensuring bitcoin or whatever but uh it, it's a it's a very funny comic because the uh there's like a mom or a lady figure, right, that comes in the room and she says, Curtis, what did I tell you while playing with your imaginary friends? And the guy is sitting down at a tea table um, and there's Bitcoin across from him and he's trying to give the Bitcoin some tea. And it's just, it's just one of those, those, those comics that really captures the essence of what, the, what it really feels like to be in this realm right now. I mean, like a lot of people do have imaginary friends. And they're doing some imaginary things where it's like, why? Where did that even? When did that even make sense? Who did you talk to for that to make sense? <laughs> we'll we'll try to wrap this up, but just to add on to that, when I tried to tell one of my family members that people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on digital kittens, like you should have seen, it's almost like they wanted to just teleport out of the room. If but I, I love. Honestly, like, let's keep it going for a little bit longer because I do want to talk about crypto kitties. I love crypto okay. kitties. What? Because, no, 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 not like, no, it, hear me out. So I love crypto kitties for two reasons. One, it's another uh, liquidity moment. And I think crypto kitties, if you go, if you get deep there, if you go deep down that rabbit hole, they kind of like provide a, could you technically mine uh, current cryptocurrency in a way that you kind of breed it? I, and, and that's something that doesn't exist today, but I'm wondering, like, you know, what if that were the case? Because then that would incentivize more gameplay um, and not just about breeding these rare kittens that could sell for cash, but breeding these real these rare kittens that crypto kittens that could uh, basically create cash. And I don't know if Ethereum would be the, the, the crypto to do it because we already kind of have a mechanism in play on how to uh, get Ethereum. But in the future, I could see something like that actually existing because it incentivizes the gameplay, but it also incentivizes, um, you know, more crypto being introduced to the market. Now, mm-hmm. second, I see crypto kitties no different than uh, us when we were younger, um, buying Magic the Gathering cards, buying Pokemon cards, buying That's Yu-Gi-Oh cards. That's all it is, right? But it's we were kids. Now. These are grown men. These are grown yeah, men, man, buying little pink men. kittens. <laughs> 
But there were grown men playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I remember going to Toys R Us and, and, and going to the the dual uh, the dual the dual monsters uh, competitions, and you would see some old ass dudes there, and they looked true. like they were pedophiles, but they would be getting it in with the dual deck. <laughs> I don't know if you could say pedophiles and getting it in in the same sentence. I'm pretty sure that's not allowed did. on some level. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree with you, but I mean, it, I'm gonna just say they look. I'm gonna I'm I'm say when I was playing with the dual deck, you know, my mom stood a little bit closer just to make sure it wasn't no, uh, no, no, no iffy action going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, th- I think this whole this entire episode is really interesting because we're seeing how technology is influencing us, our behavior, and I yeah, mean, sir, it's sir. the same we're with Pokemon cards and. You know, you have grown men working out the courage to go to, in the in the middle of the day to sit down at a table, you know, and mm-hmm. and how we're interacting and yeah, and how greed's taken over and crypto kitties and the whole thing, man. So it's this is kind of like a psychological experiment. And because I'm a professional, I'm going to tie this into your newsletter because you kind of oh, wow. you cover stuff like this. So I, I yeah. want people to go to quicktheories.com and you have a uh, you're in the five digits, right? Of subscribers, you're you're up there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's been a fun journey. We started it in early 2016, and um, like, I mean, to date, we've had over three million readers worldwide. And, uh, uh, congratulations! Yeah, I've, thank you. I've gotten a few awards for Quick Theories, um, via LinkedIn. So I was last year's most one of their most engaged technology writers. So. If I would share content or write an article, it would, it would get the most impressions on the LinkedIn platform. And considering they've got like half a billion users, it's been one of those platforms where it's been impressive to get that award two times in a year in a in a, in a row. So I got it in 2016, and then I just recently received it in 2017. So um, being a top voice in technology on LinkedIn has definitely helped me g- uh, garner kind of a brand and also um, a readership for kind of my thoughts on the future of technology. Um, transitioning it a bit this uh this year so in about three to four um weeks i'm actually going to be launching a book and then we're going to be unveiling kind of the next version of, of quick theories because what i realized is there's a lot of people that like the theories that i kind of write but i just did it as like you know i have these these thoughts and um i want to put that stuff out there when I have that thought. And so like I thought about insuring Bitcoin last week and I'll put that out there. I put that out there last week. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in 2015, I thought that Facebook was social. That I, I realized Facebook was messing with our brains back then. And I took, I took a leave of absence from Facebook, wrote a big article on it. And then, you know, in 20, 2017, that, that turns to be true. But, and, and then it's just, there's numbers, there's numbers occurrences. It gets even crazier because there was an article I wrote in early 2017, where I talked about the the iPhone being the new black box. So when you're on an airplane, you know if an airplane cl- crashes or if there's any calamities with the with that plane, what happens is there the first thing you go to is you want one you want to you want to make sure that there's survivors or if there's any survivors you go save them. The second most important thing on that plane is recovering that black box, and that black box basically. Um, holds the audio recordings, the mm-hmm. diagnostics of the the plane itself, and all, all that all, all the information you kind of need to kind of derive insights on what actually happened. And I talked about the iPhone being the black box for the 
the modern person, right? Like if you have an iPhone, you have, you're carrying this device that doesn't get destroyed easily by EMPs now. So, you know, the, you have these people that test these iPhones for all kinds of crazy nonsense. And there was the, this episode on, you know, can it do this where they, they EMP an iPhone and it still works. Um, the memory intact and everything. And, you know, they're waterproof. And I mean, they're pretty fragile, but the components inside um, still they, they do they do fairly well. The screen's just kind of cracked. And, you know, you have Edward Snowden's allegations on, like, you know, the iPhone or mobile phones in general can listen to you and all that. I don't have a tinfoil hat on, but I'm just taking the data that I know and saying, hey, if that's the case, the best device to use in a criminal trial is the iPhone. And, you know, you could prove X, Y, and Z things just based on various various data the iPhone has collected on you and about you. And then, you know, this year you started to see uh, the iPhone being used in, in uh, a rape trial um, in Germany. And it was like one of those moments, too, where it was like, I remember when I wrote that quick theory, dude, the readers went crazy. They know I think you can go and look at the comments, the comments on that that uh, that article. No one agreed with me. They were like, yo, you're loony. You're, you're crazy. Why would you do such a thing? And I was just like, look, I can see the writing on the wall. Like, why would why would I waste my time trying to go through? Uh, uh, an investigative process when I could just check one device and that's what we've come to so I like to write about the future of technology and, and, and the impact it'll have on human behavior and, and our lives in general and it's just those insights I throw out there and, and some of them go far some of them I get a lot of hatred for it but my whole goal is I just want to just kind of see you know what comes true and what doesn't come true so it was more of a pet project that's why I have a, a regular job in healthcare <laughs> Yeah. Do you have a project? I mean, do you have a podcast? I don't have a podcast. Do you want one? I, do I want one? I mean, yeah, I'm always open to uh I'm always open to working with people. Uh yeah, I feel like I feel like if the opportunity comes along, I get to work with people like yourselves. It makes having a podcast a bit more manageable whereas like having just me as a solo person, it, it's kind of hard to just do a bunch of different things and do it really well. And I'll help you with that all day, man. Yeah, we've been Dude, doing that, this a while. We got we got a workflow now that we could say things like that. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> workflow. Let's let's get it cracking. I joined the BTC network. I feel like the Bitcoin community they'll definitely hate us. <laughs> <laughs> For if we have episodes like this every week, they're gonna be like, "Those guys don't believe in our dreams." I want a Lambo boat. Yeah, Lambo I, yacht, Doctor Lambo I, yacht. I need a plane <laughs> car boat yeah. made by Machine. Ferrari. Well, we, need to, we need to be friends with those people so we can uh, – I want to go to a Lambo yacht party. That's very true. I wouldn't mind going on a Lambo yacht. It's I, I mean, like it would be fun. I had an extra ticket for you, man. If we were in touch, you could have came to Miami with us. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean next time. I had, I had, I have CES, I had a CES ticket too. Come on. We got to stay one. Oh, wow. Wasted, <laughs> wasted friendships over here, yes, man. Yes, man. We, we, need to start, we need to start building that bridge. Well, do we wrap it up, Cello? Or? Yeah, I gotta wrap this up so I can add him on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're, yeah, we're be best friend. All right, Mister um, Self Starter Q Harrison. I, I hope we can make your newsletter at, at some point, and uh, I hope to get a copy of your book. And let's not go so long before you're on the show again. Let's uh, let's talk more frequently. It's been good. Certainly. It uh, was a, yeah, it was a fun one. Uh, so, listeners, um, you can find us at. At the BTC podcast on Twitter. Uh, Cello runs the Twitter. Tweet him. He'll tweet you back. 
Um, let's see, what else do we do? We have a Medium blog, so medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. Oh, we have a Patreon now. And thank you to everyone who has become a patron so far. It's been exciting seeing it come to the inbox and like it uh we're trying to make it easier for you guys to compensate us for our efforts given to the community. I know we get a lot of feedback from you guys like why is it so hard to buy your merchandise and why is it so hard to give you money? And I think we kind of did that by design on purpose because we did this as passion, but now that you guys want to give to us, we've made it available through our Patreon. So patreon.com uh, slash the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Um, and you find us there. Help us not let our dreams be dreams. Um, what else do we do, Cello? We do lots of things. We're, lots we're, of on, uh, yeah, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. We're going to be at the Bitcoin, Ethereum, Blockchain Super Conference in Dallas. We'll also be probably in Dubai in a couple months. And around the world, we'll, we'll be there representing. Oh, and we're we're sponsoring the Asia CryptoCon in March. Um, I think that's it. Yep. Oh, that's a lot. on Rampant with D series has been sparked back up. I know you listened to it last week because I got the numbers. So if you know anybody that needs to be on Ramped, um, just just email us or hit me up in the Slack. Just say, hey, D, uh, my sister doesn't know anything about blockchain or Bitcoin, and she needs to know. Uh, and I'll I'll, I'll I'll make sure I reach out to her and we can do an episode of on-repping. Um, what else, man? Corey's got blogs. Um, yeah. And uh, this is how you get a healthcare marketer on your show and don't talk about healthcare at all. This is yep. how it's done. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk about healthcare. I mean, in the future, right? I mean, healthcare, yeah. and healthcare, we still are very reliant on the fax machine. So any dreams of healthcare oh, ad- adopting you know, Bitcoin, blockchain, that's very far off into the future because we're still very much in that day and age where how do we exchange data better than what we do um, currently, right? Like, I it's mean, a, interoperability yeah. is kind of the technical term for it, but just healthcare data exchange in general, once we figure that out, then we can start to lower the barrier to entry for some of these new emerging technologies. Otherwise, what you see happen is kind of what happened with IBM Watson and their their entry into the healthcare market, right? Where it just doesn't work in that uh, that end state. And it's like, how does a platform like IBM Watson and a, and a company like IBM not work in an industry like healthcare? But it's really, I would say a lot of it boils down to data exchange, right? Like if you can't exchange data in the manners that you're used to, you have to go back to these archaic methods and the funny thing with that is, like, we've been talking APIs and talking uh, data exchange so, so frivolously before you get to healthcare. Like, it's, it's, it's fluid, right? Like, no one talks about data exchange outside of healthcare. Uh, if Facebook were to still talk about data exchange, you wouldn't have a Spotify or a Zynga. Like, that's how we got Spotify and Zynga. And I, don't know, I don't know if you remember that, but, like, yeah. that's how that happened. Um, today we have healthcare and you get four medical bills, uh, every time you go get a procedure and it's like, you paid it on the first one, but you got three more coming just because the, the, the billing system doesn't talk to the electronic medical record. And then Mm. you also have like, you know, your, your, your pharmaceutical place where they 
they store their records somewhere else. I think that's going to be changing real soon, though. Well, that's the yeah, that's the thing is like that's where what Redox does is we provide a a platform in which developers can more easily exchange data, and we kind of lower the barrier to entry. But Mm. you know, soon is is a is a word that I would love to get behind. It's going to happen, but (laughs) because it's healthcare, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of regulatory precautions, and there's a lot of standards, in which they should yep. be, right? Because there, a lot of our GDP goes to healthcare, and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of in, in interesting things are happening in the space right now. And you want to make sure that that those those happen with uh, the best precautions that we can we can take before yeah. we start to um, operate on humans. And so, okay. yeah. And so, what I'm saying is like. Blockchain technology and healthcare, there's a lot of interesting use cases. I think, as we discussed last time when we were on the show, um, having a will, like having your will go to a blockchain-like technology, that might not be that bad of an idea as an entry point for uh, healthcare and blockchain to kind of con- converge. Just because, you know, I think a lot of people understand what a will is. A lot of people don't understand what a blockchain is, but if you said, hey, you could put your will on this distributed database that uh, people would only have access to after this happens, and this is the governing body that you would kind of grant permission to release this record or information on your behalf, and then, like, there is no, uh, you know, grandma changed her will you know, literally in her last dying breath and like that argument that happens between family members um, and really destroys families um, could be mitigated um, by using a, a precautionary measure, measure like putting your will on a uh, on a blockchain. So that's my that's one use case. We can do another show where we can get deeper. <laughs> I feel like we should make this a part one and just have part two like a couple of weeks from now if you're free. But that's on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm I'm always down. I, I love what you guys are doing, so yeah, I'm always down to get back on the show, and I, I'm sure I could have a new theory on what what we could do in the space to to make it all better. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Ooh. thank you for stopping by, Cello. Likewise. You, you got anything to add? Um. Shout out to Anne Hathaway. Shout out to Anne Hathaway, and Anne Hathaway. I hope you're listening. Play.